From Boise to Middleton, the 5A and 4A Southern Idaho Conferences feature 20 of the largest schools in Idaho. Highlighting the big plays and big stories from Idaho's biggest schools, this is the SIC PrepCast with Wayne DeZubak. That's right, another edition of the SIC PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we're talking everything 5A, 4A in District 3 throughout the state of Idaho. Brandon Maney, as always, joined by Wayne DeZubak. Wayne, how are you? I'm doing great, Brandon. How about yourself? You feeling good? Looking good? Yes. Uh, just wearing a classic hoodie. I'll put on some nicer clothes this evening when I go out for the game I'm going to broadcast. And uh, you you already are wearing your game day attire, it looks like. I just wear my game day attire all day. I wear this to bed. These are my jammies. So, you know, I just got to look good at any time. Uh, you never know when the podcast is going to call or somebody's going to want a game to be called. So I'm uh, I'm always, I've always got the sweater vest on ready to rock. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so yeah, if you're uh, watching the video version of this on the idahosports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you can see uh, our outfits or lack thereof. And uh, <laughs> if, if you're Good listening, luck, you're right. <laughs> if you're, if you're listening audio only at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcasts, you can just use your imagination. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's all about. That's what the brain's for. No doubt. Well, we want to start the conversation today with girls basketball. And specifically, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, January 25th, Tuesday night. Tonight, Wayne, you've got a huge girls basketball showdown in the 5A ranks for the SIC audio only broadcast on IdahoSports.com. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the two met earlier back in December and Timberline won it by about seven points. Uh, So Timberline, you know, that's why they're undefeated in league play. Uh, they're doing a great job, 16-0 in league play. And tonight they take on the Boise Brave, and that's going to be a number one against number five in the state of the coaches' poll. And I think it's about the same in the media poll. So it's going to be a top-five showdown at Timberline. I believe Timberline's going to win it. I don't think anybody's going to stop them. But, you know, and if anybody can upset the Wolf right now, it's going to be the Boise Brave. Yeah, Timberline comes in 18 and 1 overall. You mentioned undefeated in SIC play. Boise is not far off. I mean, 15 and 2 and 12 and 2. They suffered both of their losses, you know, early in December. And I think people kind of forgot about them. And now yep. Boise is very quietly reeled off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row, Wayne. They appear to be, you know, Kim Bridges, veteran coach, has been around a long time. Uh, it appears that Coach Bridges has this Boise team peaking at the right time of year. Oh, absolutely. And they lost to Bora and they lost to Timberline. Those are the two. You get those two of the top three teams. So that's going to happen. You know, you're going to have a tough one because Bora's sitting there at 11 and three. Bora won last night. They beat Mountain View by a score of 35 to 18, I believe was the score. It was a really funky game because Bora led it 14 to four at halftime, ended up winning at 35 to 18. But Bora played on a Monday night and beat Mountain View. Mountain View, of course, having all kinds of problems with injuries this year. Uh, you know, just we, we, we recorded it, talked about it uh, at length, so no need to go into it. But Mountain View, the defending state champs, just really had all anything that could go wrong went wrong for them. And last night they had four points at halftime. So that kind of a microcosm of the season they're having. But, you know, you're right. Boise's lost to Timberline and they've lost to Bora. No shame in either of those losses. But you're right. They've won a bunch in a row now. They've got it rolling. They know they're going to go into Timberline tonight and everything's going to be against them. The crowd's going to be against them. Odds makers are going to be against them because they're going to be an underdog. But I guarantee you, I think there's going to be some fight in the brave. I mean, to me, Wayne, this matchup comes down to to the inside play, right? 
Ashley Banks, the 6'5 senior for Boise, and Sophie Glancy, 6'2", and the center for Timberline. You know, I have not done a Boise girls game this year, but I have done a Timberline game. Sophia Glancy, she's really good. I mean, they're really good down low, and she's got a lot of people around her, a lot of talent there. They're another one of those that I say put the, the T in the team. They really do. Everybody is together on this thing, and that's what's made them so good is that on any given night, anybody can step up and make it happen. So, uh, I, yeah, I think Timberline at home tonight is going to be tough for Boise to beat. But like I said, uh, the Brave got it going. They've got, they're on a roll right now. Every team, I believe, you either get better or you get worse. You don't stay the same. And I think the Boise Brave have gotten better since they played Timberline way back, I think, around December 3rd or 7th, one of the two. Yeah, and, and you know, if Boise gets a win tonight and knocks off Timberline, you know, even with that win, they would still need Meridian to also defeat Timberline in the regular season finale Thursday night to even have a share of first place in the conference standing. So Timberline, at this point, pretty much has it wrapped up because Meridian is a team that's uh, been up and down in girls basketball this year, six and eight in the conference, seven and 12 overall. So, you know, Timberline's got this thing pretty much locked up. Well, they really do. They just got to play well. They got to, you know, they're going into district. You said it and I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that the final game was coming up on the 27th, you know, it's coming up on Thursday night, final game of the regular season for Timberline regular season's over. Where did it go? We're going to get into district next week and talk about that. But the bottom line is that you're right. I think Timberline, you know, some people say that if you're going to lose a game, lose it during the regular season, and then you go into the playoffs, you know, it's going to make you all that much better. But I don't think Timberline is of that mental, you know, mind. I think they're going to say, you know what, we are undefeated in league play right now. and We're going to stay that way. We want to stay that way all the way through the district tournament. That's right. Every game takes on added importance, too, because yeah. uh, the teams will be seeded at state based upon their max preps rankings. So the more you win, the more that helps you there. Um, Absolutely. So here's my question to you, then. Uh, you, you've seen some of the girls teams in the league this year. We know that Timberline, Boise and Bora are the top three. That That's pretty clear, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty decided. They're going to get a fourth team in. I don't think they're going to get a fifth. Whoever finishes fifth at districts, I don't think is going to win that playing game against Lake City Post Falls or Coeur d'Alene. So to, to you, my question is, who who's the fourth team? Who Who's the fourth best team from this conference that's going to get to state? It is a hodgepodge right now. Owyhee is officially in fourth at eight and six in the league standings. Then you got Eagle, Mountain View, Rocky Mountain are all seven and seven, and Meridian is at six and eight. I mean, it's kind of a mess. You, you stole my thunder right there. I was going to say all those teams are right there. So it's kind of like flipping a coin in an NFL overtime. Whoever wins the toss of the coin wins the game. Uh, it, you know, you have to have both teams have a possession. Sorry. I got that out of my system. It's okay. <laughs> both teams should have a possession, but hey, that's just the way it is. But what you said is that all of those teams that you mentioned, Hawaii Eagle Mountain, the Rocky Mountain, all seven and seven, Meridian's right there. So, yeah. It, it's a toss-up. I couldn't tell you which one. I mean, I think this, the records speak for themselves. These teams are all even. After you get those top three, they're all about the same. They're all on the same level on any given night. One of those teams can win. So whoever gets hot for district will be the 14th. And I'll tell you the team that I kind of like to, to get that fourth spot, I think, personally, Eagle. Um, they've, they've, they've started to play really well. They've got uh, a win over a Waihee. At the start of January, by ten points, uh, they yeah. lost. They lost to Timberline 
last week by only seven, 39-32. And then they lost to Boise on Friday by five, 36-31. So Eagle might be, to me, might be that fourth team right now. Well, and it could be defense at Wednesday because you talked about Eagle with that loss. They held Timberline, what was it, 39 points in that, that yeah. game? Yeah, 39 points. Well, Timberline's averaging 54 points, almost 55 points a game uh, this whole season. So when you hold somebody to almost 20 points underneath their regular season average. So I think the Eagle defense is really uh, at a premium right now for the girls. And so, I, I'm, yeah, I agree. I think Eagle may have the uh, the edge in that race amongst those other four teams that are sitting there all kind of bottlenecked. Yeah, but uh, if you're listening to this before the game tonight, it is Boise against Timberline tip-off at 7.30 tonight on idahosports.com. Uh, there's a good chance you're listening to this and the game's already gone final. In that case, head to idahosports.com, find out who won, see how that impacts the standings, and then go back and listen to the game on the archives uh, on the Game Streams tab of the homepage. And like you said, no matter who wins that game on a Tuesday night and no matter where we go the rest of the week, Timberline has been the team to beat this year. They remain the team to beat, and uh, there, there's a reason for it. I mean, they they sit there. They are number one in the girls' coaches' poll, okay? Right behind them is Coeur d'Alene, and, uh, you know, Coeur d'Alene just happens to be the only team that beat Timberline, and that game was played at Timberline. So Coeur has got to be sitting up there chopping at the bit going, wait a minute, these guys are number one. We beat them. We got them, but the problem is Coraline 16 and three. So they lost a couple of other games and that's why they're sticking at number two right now. You know, the crazy thing is Wayne is there's, there's three really good teams up North Lake city, post falls, Coraline. You're talking about the Vikings. The only team that's beaten Timberline. They, they may not even be at state. That's not a guarantee. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I haven't followed up North what's going on all the time. because I'm so busy here, right here in the treasure Valley with the five ASIC and four ASIC, but you're right. I mean, they could duke it out and somebody, somebody's going to come away, you know, with an empty spot. Yeah. I mean, here are the records. Coeur d'Alene is 16 and three Lake city is 16 and three post falls is 15 and four, and they all have wins over teams from district three. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's nuts. <laughs> that's for sure. That's what, that's what makes state so fun. You think, wow, you know, you sit here and you cover treasure Valley all year long and you go, man, they got some good teams here. And then you get the teams that come in from Pocatello, from Idaho Falls, from Coeur d'Alene, from that area up north, and you go, oh, those are pretty good teams too. And we can see it in the polls. But like you said, Timberline, Coeur d'Alene, you've got Thunder uh, Thunder Ridge is right there, uh, Lake City, and then Boise number five. So it's a pretty good mix this year, and that coaches top five of girls basketball 5A. Yeah, and I, what I liked this year, Wayne, was we saw we saw more cross-pollination between the teams up north and the teams down south this year, right? Uh, Coeur d'Alene and Lake City came down and played in the Timberlion Holiday Tournament, um, but they also hosted, you know, Rocky Mountain, and I think it was Eagle, uh, came up to Coeur d'Alene and Post Falls and played them in early December as well. So I like that where that gives you a little bit better of an idea maybe of how things might go. Oh, absolutely. We loved it. In fact, on the boys' side, Clay Hatfield and I had a chance. We just sat at Meridian, A, because they were the defending 5A state champs, but B, selfishly, because when Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene and Lake City came down here, you know, they played BK, Eagle, and Meridian on consecutive nights. So we just sat there at Meridian for three days so that we could get a chance to take a look, you know, at the Vikings, the Trojans, you know, and everybody. So it was in Lake City. So it was good to see that. Uh, and good to get an idea of what they can do. And I, like I said, I've had a chance to do two Lake City games this year. So uh, I feel I feel like I'm I'm a near expert on Lake City. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You're you're our um, uh, North Idaho uh, correspondent from Not even South close. Idaho. 
Not even close, Brad. <laughs> All right, let's talk about 4A girls basketball. Again, there's not a ton to report on here. Middleton, 11-6 and six overall, 10-0 and 0, uh, in the league. Bishop Kelly right behind, 13-4 and four overall, 9-1 and one in the league. Um, those two teams were supposed to play, got moved around because of uh, weather, bad roads. And so right. we're, we're waiting for that rematch. And, and meanwhile, you know, Middleton is another team that's quietly put together a pretty impressive win streak. They've won six in a row, dating all the way back to mid-December. Yeah, I mean, they have. They started out the year really shaky. They lost a lot, so they're only 11-6 and six overall. But like you say, now 10-0 and 0 in league play. So they started out shaky, but, you know, you're not going to shake BK. BK sitting right there at 9-1 and 1 in the standings. They're not going to let you get away from it. And, uh, again, it's going to be that BK-Middleton battle right down to the end. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of fun uh, when those two teams finally do meet up Columbia clearly the third best team and I, I talked about them as a I've talked about them all year as a sleeper with uh the Robertson sisters 12 and 6 overall 8 and 3 in the conference um you know can they catch one of the top two teams probably not in the regular season but possibly at districts we'll have to wait and see and, and so then the question becomes in girls basketball district 3 gets two and a half bids to state so Columbia yeah. could find itself in a play in game against the second best team from district six, which right now is looking like skyline. And I'll tell you, I like Columbia's chances. If they match up with the team, the East is not very strong this year. I mean, they have the best team in Blackfoot, but then it's yeah. a pretty big drop off after that. Yeah. And so I don't get to see that, but I knew Blackfoot was having a great year. They're undefeated still. Last time I checked 19 and 0 was the last I saw there. So yeah, Blackfoot's got a great team, but um, yeah, I, I think Columbia has a chance. You're right. Uh, uh, even though, do you know where that game will be played? A playing game would it be a travel thing for both, or just a travel for one? Yeah, so they would play in Burley. Burley, okay. So you got the both going halfway. We'll meet yeah. you half Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and and like I said, um, I, I like Columbia. I mean, Skyline's nine and ten overall, and that's second best in that conference. So as long as they don't have to play Burley and you know Amari Whiting, they'll be okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Skyline, you know, Columbia might try to sneak her out onto the floor since they are in Burley, but I think she'd be uh, pretty easy to spot right away. Oh, uh, yeah. They pick her out in a heartbeat. Yes. Uh, and, but for Columbia, this would be a big step getting back to state for the second year in a row, right? They were kind of the Cinderella team last year or earned a spotted state for it was either the first time in school history or the first time in a really long time. So, you know, hopefully yeah, Columbia first time in school history, because yeah. that's not that that school doesn't have much history. They, they came on board, you know, and they put it out in an open field in Nampa. It was right there. Boom. Okay. There's a school. And of course, guess what happens? All the fields grow up with houses and all of a sudden houses popping up all over the place. And so as the houses popped up, the kids grew up, they became teenagers. They wanted to play basketball, obviously, you know, Columbia got better. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And if you take a look, what's scary about Hawaii, same thing. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's just boom, there. There's fields all over it. Houses are going to pop up there all over the place, and they're going to have even a better team than they have right now. But we'll talk about the Hawaii boys a little later on. Well, that's a perfect transition, Wayne. Let's let's move into Hawaii. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we planned this out or something. Yeah, that'll be the day. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, why he, uh, you know, still 
getting uh, respect ahead of Eagle in terms of the polls, media and coaches polls, but Eagle still technically is the team ahead of them in the standings because of that head-to-head win all the way back in December. Eagle 10-1 and in the conference, 13-2 and overall. The Hawaii is 9-1 and in league, 12-3 and overall. Again, these are the top two teams we always talk about each week, but all of a sudden, Wayne, a third team has caught your eye recently. Yeah, it has Meridian. I mean, they're sitting there at eight and three right now in league play, okay? But what's happening with Jeff Sainer? And you got to remember, they were the defending 5A state champs, Brandon. They lost eight players from that team, including Brody Roberry, who was the player of the year last year in the state of Idaho. You lose that much talent off of one team, you got to figure it out. But Jeff Sainer has had all these pieces of the puzzle. And he's grabbed from here, and he's grabbed from there, and he's taken here. He had Davis Thacker injured for a while. Now Davis Thacker is back. But he also had a couple of uh, sophomores on the team that were just playing JV, Duncan Pierce, who is Ethan Pierce's brother, younger brother. And uh, he's six foot four, just a sophomore. Then a kid named Ryan Baker. He's uh, six foot three, just a sophomore. Matter of fact, the other night on Saturday when Meridian played Bora, that Ryan Baker wore number zero. Let me see if I get this right. No, he wore number 10. Now he wore, doesn't matter what he wore, but he went and changed his jersey right after the JV game. He didn't even shake hands. He ran into the locker room, you know, changed jerseys, got onto the court. And he was on the court. I believe he was number 10. So yeah, he wore number zero for the JV game, number 10 for the varsity game. So all of a sudden the pieces are starting to fall together. And this is looking like a pretty good team. Uh, they had 11 players. 11 players score in their game against Bora the other day. That's how even Steven they're getting. The only one that didn't score was the kid I just talked about, Ryan Baker. All every, Everybody that played scored except for him, and he didn't play a lot, but, all, but when he came in there, he looked like he'd been out there all of his life. So I think Jeff Sainer right now has kind of found the pieces of the puzzle as they get ready just a week and a half or so away from district play. That Meridian is somebody you better not sleep on right now. Yeah, Meridian nine and six overall, but eight and two in the conference, which is huge. Let, let me ask you because it sounds like they've found a couple of gems from the JV squad that are in line for a bump uh, when the postseason gets started. Because th- that's the thing with the playoffs is once the playoffs start, there's no more JV schedule. You don't have to manage quarters anymore. You can just play your guys. How how often in the in the five ASIC do teams rely upon these you know late season call ups if if you will? You know I haven't seen it very often because usually what is what is the coaches kind of know who they've got coming in, but in this case you know Duncan Pierce about mm, two weeks ago went on the varsity roster, so he automatically became there. And when I got to the game Saturday, I talked to Jeff Sander and he said, hey, I got another. Matter of fact, he grabbed my scorecard and wrote down Ryan Baker's name. He said, Ryan Baker, number 10. Uh, I said, oh, he, yeah, he's playing right now. He's zero. And so I watched him play. So, yeah, he put him in there. So I think he's I think he's done with JV for the year. He's going to have him there. Here's the other thing that I forgot to mention. Remember the kid named Zeke Martinez? We talked about him a lot in football. Came on from his brother Malachi. He's just a freshman, Zeke is. Well, guess who's in a starting spot? For Meridian now. That wasn't happening before. So you, now you got a starting guard in Zeke Martinez, the freshman who filled in for his brother so well that I wasn't sure Malachi was going to get his job back. But Malachi was that good, so he did. Plus, he beat up his little brother and was able to get back in there. No, not really. Well, and and that and Zeke's only a freshman, so exactly, yeah. exactly. But he's so now you got two sophomores 
coming in there. You got Zeke Martinez starting a game against Bora on Saturday, a freshman, which hadn't happened before. He came off the bench, played a lot, but he still came off the bench. A lot of things are changing. All of, you know, it's kind of like I need this end piece, you know, on the puzzle. And you put that in there and you go, oh, wow, now I can figure out all the other pieces. They're starting to come together. And I think Jeff's done a great job with his team. So I'm just saying, watch out, district play. They're, they could surprise some folks. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. They have a huge matchup coming up on Friday night, Wayne, at Centennial. The Patriots are right behind Meridian in the standings. Centennial 8-7 and seven overall, 7-3 and three in the conference. So they're just a game behind Meridian. And whoever takes third place is going to be important, right? Because Eagle and Hawaii have the top two spots locked down. Yeah. Um, because potentially, you know, let's say Eagle and Hawaii win out and Eagle gets the one seed and Hawaii gets the two, it might be better to finish fourth instead of third. That way you, yeah. you're avoiding Hawaii until the – I mean, Eagles Eagles no slouch either, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that top four. Well, you talked about that game with Centennial Meridian also has a game against Eagle, and I've got to look at my schedule here on the 8th of February. So that's a Tuesday, and they played them at Eagle. So Eagle's going to have, I think, the be the favorite in that one. But still, Meridian with games against Centennial, who's high, still, you know, right on everybody's hooves. And you got that game against Eagle, who's right there in the hunt for everything. So Meridian, if indeed what I just said about them, they're starting to put the pieces together and coming together is true. We'll find out real soon when they play those two games against Centennial and Eagle. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun uh, for uh, Meridian. Potentially, you know, they're still a defending champs, too. People forget about that. Yeah, they got a lot of stuff going. They got a lot of pride. They got a lot of feelings about it. So, yeah, they, they feel pretty good. And I'll tell you what the biggest problem is, is that they, you know, they, they've had trouble shooting the ball. But now it's starting to come around, like I said the other day, against Bora. Now, Bora was down by about 25 points in that game. And at one point late in the game, they brought it back down to 12. And I was with Clay, and I said, wow, it's only a 12-point game. How did that happen? It was really quick. So Bora did a good job of bringing it back. But that's because they were playing everybody and their brother-in-law. If you suited up for Meridian on Saturday, you played in that game. So anyway, that's just my feeling. That uh, Keep an eye out. Just remember that in the back of your mind, that Meridian could, you know, cause some problems in district play. Yeah, it's going to be uh, fascinating to watch down the stretch. 4A boys basketball in the SIC, uh, kind of like the girls, right? It's, it's Middleton, it's Bishop Kelly, uh, Middleton's 11-1, and 6-0. You know, in uh, kind of an upset this week, Wayne, Middleton, by not doing anything, actually dropped from number one to number two in the coaches' poll. They're now yeah. behind Hillcrest. I mean, they didn't do anything. They haven't lost since December 4th. So maybe they've got a little extra motivation this week. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, and especially, when, like you said, when you haven't lost, you hadn't done anything, and somebody drops, it's kind of like, to me, it's like Coeur d'Alene. You know, you know, they had beaten Timberline in girls basketball. They had beaten Timberline, the only one to have beaten Timberline this year, and they're, they're sitting at number two. They've got to feel like, hey, we, de we deserve more. So I'm sure – but. On the other hand, most of the players I talk to don't really give a, a hoot about the polls. It's kind of like, okay, guys, we just got to focus on game one. And I know I sound like a coach now. You know, we got to go 1-0 and tonight. That's all we got to do and worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think Middleton will, will, will come on strong. Yeah, and, of course, Middleton and Bishop Kelly, the first time they played, 60-55, to 55, Middleton got the win. They will play a week from tonight, uh, Wayne, next Tuesday, February 1st. That'll be a huge game. 
Yeah, it'll be a fun one. I mean, and I'm I, I'm I'm hoping that we have it right here on IdahoSports.com. I haven't checked the schedule, but I hope we do because it'll be a good one. And again, the way the the standings are looking, Valley View kind of looks like clearly the third best team, right? Nine and four overall, four and two in the conference, and just like the girls' side, the third place team from District Three will get to play the second place team from District Six in a play-in mm-hmm. game. And right now. You know, it looks like it's Blackfoot, and and same with uh, with the girls. You know, I I would put Valley View in up against Blackfoot. Blackfoot's only seven and eight. They've been very. That's a team I've seen in person. Blackfoot, they're very undisciplined, very inconsistent. Um, so I I would all, also say you know whoever finishes third, possibly Valley View has a great chance to get to state. Also, yeah, I mean Valley View is right there. I mean they've got a good enough team, but again, this Middleton squad is just so good in every way. You know, uh, Michael Days was really growing up, really big time. Uh, you know, they, they've just got good players all the way around, good coaching. Uh, so Middleton, I think, is in good stead. I think the only one they have to worry about is Bishop Kelly. Bishop Kelly can come there and, and bite you at any time because BK, as we've talked about, always has good athletes. Yep, for sure. Um, and, and Valley View has a great point guard in Jacob Martinez, who might, might be the best point guard in the league. I mean, he is very talented, so oh, yeah. that'll be fun to watch those three teams uh, do good out. One, one thing I want to point out, you mentioned that 4A poll, Hillcrest being number one, a 13-2, and two, Middleton dropping. Middleton did have more first-place votes. They had nine to seven first-place votes in the coaches' poll, so they got more first-place votes, and there's only two points total when you add up all those votes, the points. It's 77 to 75, so it's really a close race. So I don't think Middleton's feelings were hurt too bad, uh, I, you know, I just, it's just what it is, you know, one coach votes another way one time and that's what happens. Right. So, uh, by this time next week, who knows, maybe they will have flip flopped again. So oh, yeah, yeah. As coaches are good at that. They flip flop. <laughs> right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for the hoop stock. So you've got the girls game tonight, Wayne, what else is on the broadcast schedule this week? Well, I've got, uh, let's, what do, what do I have? I have to look at my schedule here. I've got um, – where are we? Okay. 25. So I'm going to do Timberline Boys at Bora on, on Friday night. I really wanted to do another Bora game, and we hadn't done a lot of Timberline uh, games, so I wanted to see Timberline uh, and what they could do uh, on the boys' side because I can see they're all they're at five and four. They're knocking on the door. They're there. they got A.J. LeBeau down low. He's a pretty good kid, does a good job. A lot of people uh, – he had a good week, so some people voting for him for – you know, like an athlete of the week here locally. Uh, so I just want to see Timberline. So Timberline at Bora. Uh, I, I know Bora's had that. They had that COVID interruption where they, you know, were kind of scrambling for a week and a half. But they're back now playing pretty steady. So we'll be at Bora. It should be an interesting game, competitive game. It should be fun. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and for Timberline, you know, that's a big game for them to stay within striking distance. You know, they are fifth right now in the league standings and they can, you know, you never know what happens. All these teams at the top beat up on each other and all of a sudden Timberline's sneaking into a top four position. So that'll be a huge game for the Wolves. Well, and that's the thing because they know they can't catch Hawaii. They know they can't catch, you know, Eagle right now as far as, you know, being a top two seed in the district. But if you can get a good seed in the district, you can avoid some of these better teams, get deep into the district. And then all of a sudden all you need is one or two good games and you could shock a lot of people. So you know, Timberline's looking at that. So I'm looking forward to seeing them on the road at Bora, which I think will be a bigger test for uh, for Timberline. Yeah, that'll, that'll be huge. So uh, things are heating up, Wayne. We're, we're reaching the finish line for girls basketball. By this time next week, you know, we'll probably be able to talk about the district tournament and yeah. where everybody ended up seed-wise. 
And uh, boys basketball has got about two weeks left in the regular season as well. Uh, two and a half, we'll say. So Yeah, because yeah. the girls' season ends this week. The regular season ends this week. So we'll probably know Monday and certainly Tuesday morning what the district lineups are. And so that you'll hear it first right here on the podcast, you know, and we'll have it for you unless you go to idosports.com because you know what? They always beat us with our stuff. That's right. Uh, probably end of this week, we're going to have all the district brackets up for girls basketball on idahosports.com. So keep an eye out for that. Um, not just for district three, but throughout the entire state. Oh, five yep, yep. yep. All the way down to one a. So, all right. I mean, uh, it's hard to believe that the girls basketball season has uh, about done its regular season. We're headed to district and boys are just a couple of weeks away. Hey, um, pretty much next week. This time we can say that the state tournaments are next month. Yes, we're already starting to make our plans at idahosports.com for uh, state basketball. We will once again have uh, audio coverage of every single game, 5A all the way down to 1A D2. So that's coming up uh, in about three weeks here on okay. idahosports.com. Hey, I forgot to ask you, Wayne, before I before I ducked out of here, I was going to get your opinion. The hot topic uh, that's going around right now is is possibly bringing the shot clock high school basketball in Idaho. Do you have an opinion on this? You know, we talked about it, Clay and I did, in the game we did the other day. And and for the most part, I don't think it's going to have a really big impact on the game until the end of the game, okay? Because when we watch these teams play, every game I see, you know, it's like watching a tennis match, back and forth. These guys just go up and down the court. They don't wait, you know, for too long. Once in a while, you'll get a 45-second possession, but most of the time, it's under 30. And they're just up and down. They take the first shot. They do good. But what I've seen is that late in the game, let's say there's three minutes or less to go in a ball game, and you all of a sudden hit a big shot. You get a six-point lead in a tight game. Now you hit the three. You've got a six-point lead. The other team goes down. They get an empty possession. Now you've got the basketball plus six. You're up plus six with about 250 to go. All of a sudden, they play the weight game. They just drain the clock. They won't be able to do that. So what I'm going to see is that when you get those six or seven point games where a team needs three possessions with two minutes to go, they're not going to get it without the clock. They'll get it with the clock. So at the end of the game, I think it'll you'll see a flow difference at the end of the game, not so much three quarters of the game. I agree. Just real quick, I'll give my opinion on it. I think it's going to solve some of those end of the game problems where it bogs down, where one team is trying to foul the other team yeah. to, to get the ball back. Um, with the shot clock, you don't necessarily have to foul until, you know, we're inside a minute, 40 seconds, possibly. So that'll solve some of the, you know, the the last three minutes of the game taking 15 minutes of real time, right? Yeah, and it'll give it's a whole new strategy because now you don't have to necessarily foul every second because you want to, you know, depending on how much time is left on the shot clock, you look up at the game clock and you go, okay, you know, if we just got to keep them from not scoring here. If we, if we hold them to an empty possession and then we can take it, we still have time. But, yeah, I think the end of the game will be critical. There may be a couple of games where it'll play a role where a team that's a real, real underdog may want to slow it down and they won't be able to do that. But I haven't seen that this year. These kids don't want to play slow down basketball. They want to go up and down the court. They want to play fast break. And if they got it, they go for it. And it makes it it's been exciting without a shot clock. I think it'll be much more entertaining the last three minutes, as we say, of a game uh, with a shot clock. Yeah, and and uh, I think most people, you know, don't use stall ball throughout the entire game. You know, I was looking at some old uh, archives, though, and uh, 
in the late nineties, I can't remember which year it was, but the Bora girls won a state title and Jim, Jim Pankratz was the coach, legendary coach. Um, but he, he used a stall ball tactic for the state championship game. And the final score was like 34 to like, you know, 27 or something like that. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's that. the classic. When you look up stall ball, you see that game, the pictures from that game, because that was the classic there. And everybody was complaining about it that didn't like Bora. Everybody that loved Bora thought it was brilliant. So, you know, it is what it is, but now you're not going to be able to do it with the shot clock. And I think, you know what, that's fine. I mean, some people still don't like the three-point play, you know. Uh, you step back, you know, sometimes it's only a matter of six inches between a two-pointer and a three-pointer, you know, makes a big difference in a game. But I think the three-pointer has made a difference in the game and allows teams that have been down to kind of throw up that prayer and start, if they get hot, they come back. I've seen many teams do that, and now the shot clock is going to keep teams into the right to the end of the game. So if you get down by six, the other team's not going to be able to hold the ball for very long before you get it back, and they'll give you a chance to get back in this thing. So I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a, a good thing for Idaho basketball. And somebody just told me the other day that a couple of states surrounding us just uh, adopted it. Somebody told me that Montana and Utah? Yes. Uh, am I getting it right? Yep. And, and so, yeah, to be clear, this isn't anything that's happening officially. The IHSAA uh, kicked the can down the road to the spring. They said, let's revisit it in the spring. And I think at the earliest they're talking is like 2023, I think, before it could get implemented. It'd be, it would be a very slow rollout. Um, but our neighboring states are already making plans. And so uh, my personal opinion, we Idaho's got to get on top of it or we're going to fall behind. So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think you may see the uh, you may see things step up a little bit and get quicker. You know, I mean, obviously we didn't expect anything this year because you get through the season, get done. But I, you'd be, I'd be, I would be a little bit surprised if something didn't really pick up over the summer. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the game tonight, Wayne. That's going to be a really fun one. Uh, I'm going to be uh, keeping an eye on that score as I'm broadcasting tonight as well. I got I get to uh, I'm going to Burley tonight so i get to see amari whiting play in person for the first time it's gonna be a lot of fun i was lucky i had last year i had the the girls and i had the when i was doing state and uh i got to do all of her games so she's good she does a good job of course mom mom is her coach is mom still her coach i i didn't check this year yep so you know you got that going for you so you know i mean when you miss a shot mom yells at you it's like being at home right yeah, it's a basketball family for sure. Amber Whiting, the mom, is the head coach. Trent Whiting, uh, the dad, played at BYU, uh, former boys coach at Burley. And then Jace Whiting, uh, Amari's older brother, is going to – he committed to Boise State. Um, I think he's on a mission right now, and after he serves that, he'll be at Boise State. And, by the way, the Broncos have won, what, 11 in a row, Wayne? They have. Yeah, they play Wyoming. They play Wyoming. As we speak, they play Wyoming tonight. And it's not on TV. Can you believe it? It's oh streamed. no way! It's streamed, but not on TV. Yeah. Wow. Well, who thought coming into the season that Wyoming at Boise State would be a huge game? But it actually is. <laughs> oh, like networks never change anything. You know, like they couldn't right. go and change and say, "Hey, look, we got a pretty big game. Let's change something here." No. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, good luck to the Broncos tonight. Good luck to you as well, Wayne. Thanks for Thank uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, to the SIC PrepCast. Enjoy the games this weekend. Uh, we'll see you back here next time on IdahoSports.com.